During this time of our sharing this morning, we will be reading through a number of stories from the Gospel of Luke as he tells and remembers uh, the events of that Holy Week years ago uh, when Jesus was in his final days, final hours um, of his life. The first reading today comes from Luke chapter 19, verses 28 through 40. After he had said this, he went on ahead, going up to Jerusalem. When he had come near Bethphage and Bethany, at the place called the Mount of Olives, he sent two of the disciples, saying, Go into the village ahead of you, and as you enter it, you will find tied there a colt that has never been ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you, why are you untying it? Just say this, the Lord needs it. So those who were sent departed and found it as he had told them. As they were untying the colt, its owners asked them, why are you untying the colt? They said, the Lord needs it. Then they brought it to Jesus. And after throwing their cloaks on the colt, they set Jesus on it. As he rode along, people kept spreading their cloaks on the road. As he was now approaching the path down from the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of the disciples began to praise God joyfully with a loud voice for all the deeds of power that, they had, been, that had been seen, saying, Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest heaven. Some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to him, Teacher, order your disciples to stop. He answered, I tell you, if these were silent, the stones would shout out. Holy Week always begins with a retelling of Jesus' entry to Jerusalem, a prophetic metaphor in motion. Surely Jesus knew the scriptures better than anyone. And he was remembering the words of the prophet Zechariah. As Zechariah said, Rejoice greatly, O daughter Zion. Shout aloud, O daughter Jerusalem. Lo, your king comes to you. Triumphant and victorious is he. Humble and riding on a donkey. On a colt. The foal of a donkey. Jesus was riding on a donkey. It wasn't the first time someone of great great national heritage had been riding on a donkey. This wasn't just a for instance that Jesus had put in place, but something that had been taken from other royalty that had ridden into town on donkeys before. In their case, they would have been surrounded, of course, by soldiers as they came in with this great militaristic parade of power and might. <coughs> Jesus looked none other than just like you and I, though. No royal robes that would have distinguished him. And can you imagine in this particular situation, Jesus getting onto a colt 
that had never been ridden. We could ask some of those who were at the rodeo how that might go. Of course, this is the one, Jesus, who calmed the seas when they were so fierce. And yet, would he have wanted to calm this animal who was protesting, surely, at its situation? That would have removed the prophetic metaphor. For the king, everyone is ready for the king. And no one doubts, it seems, in a Christianized culture that Jesus is the king. But in the setting of Jerusalem, or any setting in the world, how much is the king of peace able to bring about the entrance of the kingdom into this place? As Luke recalls, the crowds laid their cloaks and shouted, Hosanna and peace. Can you see Jesus as he approaches? This one who defines kingdom in such a different way.
Luke chapter 22, verses 14 to 20. When the hour came, he took his place at the table and the apostles with him. He said to them, I have eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat it until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. Then he took a cup, and after giving thanks, he said, Take this and divide it among yourselves, for I tell you that from now on I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. Then he took a loaf of bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to them, saying, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Jesus longed for his disciples to receive the kingdom. They were wont to do this as well. And yet without Jesus' coaxing and prodding, they would not have received him at all. This Passover meal was an opportunity for them to engage with their history in the context of Jesus simply being present and for them reflecting on what it must mean, Jesus' connection with the past. And yet Jesus raised this to a new level of thinking in their minds because Jesus pointed toward the future, his own death, yet that they could see it. They sat there with bitter herbs and with delicacies, very few of which were sweet, but it was a time of unleavened bread and wine. This remembering back to the story of how Israel had been freed from its bondage and guided through the wilderness. But Jesus changes the image. You may have in your mind one of many artists' depictions of the Last Supper, the most famous of which, of course, is da Vinci's. That is a wonderful painting over which many, many persons have studied and seek to read into its secret messages. The most secret message of all is that Christ is here in love. Above the pantry in our home, we have a little painting that came from Guatemala. It is so vibrant and bright where Jesus sits at his table and each of his disciples are gathered in in rapt attention to what he is saying. I ask you, can you see Jesus offering his body and his blood today? I had someone say to me once when I was having lunch with him, every meal is a sacrament if you choose for it to be. Is it possible? You will have to answer that question. Jesus said, 
Do this in remembrance of me.
from Luke chapter 22, verses 39 to 46. He came out and went, as was his custom, to the Mount of Olives, and the disciples followed him. When he reached the place, he said to them, pray that you may not come into the time of trial. Then he withdrew from them about a stone's throw, knelt down and prayed, Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me, yet not my will, but yours be done. Then an angel from heaven appeared to him and gave him strength. In his anguish, he prayed more earnestly, and his sweat became like great drops of blood falling down on the ground. When he got up from prayer, he came to the disciples and found them sleeping because of grief. And he said to them, why are you sleeping? Get up and pray that you may not come into the time of trial. Gethsemane, the Mount of Olives, offered Jesus a place of prayer. I've wondered to myself if he did not choose it because it was so near to that home of his dear friends, Mary and Martha and Lazarus. It may be that he would spend the nights with them and in the evening would exit in order to go there for quietness and reflection. It was the case that after the meal, Jesus called his disciples to pray with him. He went with them to this garden of Gethsemane. And yet they weren't nearly as willing to be interested in prayer that night. Do you remember that they had come early on in Jesus' ministry to ask him to teach them to pray even as John the baptizer taught his disciples to pray? And there Jesus shared with them what we call the Lord's Prayer. Here at the end of Jesus' ministry, it makes you wonder if any of that had seeped in to their minds and their spirits. The impending events were certainly heavy upon Jesus' heart. There is an old spiritual that states a truth. Jesus walked that lonesome valley. He had to walk it by himself. Nobody else could walk it for him. Do you see this? And what's happening here with Jesus as he anguishes in prayer, as he shares his inner heart with his father, even asking that the cup would be removed. He returned to find his disciples sleeping. And you would think that perhaps that sleep would just be motivated out of a long day. Who doesn't get sleepy after a long day? But it says here, as Luke remembers, that that wasn't the only thing that motivated their tiredness. 
They were worried and they were filled already with a sense of grief that things were coming apart as they had heard Jesus speak to them such truth that they did not want to accept. He found them sleeping and he called to them, why are you sleeping? Get up and pray that you may not come into the time of trial. I ask you, can you see Jesus in this moment in Gethsemane? Truly, truly, he was alone in his prayer.
Luke chapter 23, verses 32 to 49. Two others also who were criminals were led away to be put to death with him. When they came to the place that is called the skull, they crucified Jesus. There with the criminals, one on his right and one on his left. Then Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. And they cast lots to divide his clothing. And the people stood by watching. But the leaders scoffed at him, saying, He saved others, let him save himself, if he is the Messiah of God, his chosen one. The soldiers also mocked him, coming up and offering him sour wine and saying, If you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. There was also an inscription over him. This is the king of the Jews. One of the criminals who were hanged there kept deriding him and saying, Are you not the Messiah? Save yourself and us. But the other rebuked him saying, Do you not fear God? since you are under the same sentence of condemnation. And we indeed have been condemned justly, for we're getting what we deserve for our deeds. But this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. He replied, truly, I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. It was now about noon. And darkness came over the whole land until three in the afternoon, while the sun's light failed and the curtain of the temple was torn in two. Then Jesus, crying with a loud voice, said, Father, into your hands I commend my spirit. Having said this, he breathed his last. When the centurion saw what had taken place, he praised God and said, Certainly this man was innocent. And when all the crowds who had gathered there for this spectacle saw what had taken place, they returned home, beating their breasts. But all his acquaintances, including the women who had followed him from Galilee, stood at a distance watching these things. Kyrie eleison. These are Greek words. They are an ancient shared response in worship. Their meaning, very simple. Lord, have mercy. Kyrie eleison. Lord, have mercy. Can't you imagine these words on the lips of those disciples who watched the events unfold on Golgotha, the place of the skull? Into this dark place, Jesus continues to pour his love. Can you see Jesus? Can you hear him as he speaks the words, Father, forgive them, 
for they are unaware of what they do. This is why today has two names. This is Palm Sunday. But on the Christian calendar, this is also called Passion Sunday. A day in which we would remember and behold the gracious love of our Lord upon the cross. It is about our coming to the cross where love in its purest form was being put to death. Kyrie eleison. Lord, have mercy. Thank you.